0: For to the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is gro- sown, it grows up, and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the words to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything.
1: So we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you that you are a God who is vast, You are over all of creation. There is not a square inch of the universe where your presence is not and where your authority does not extend. Father, we recognize that we are small, tiny specks in this universe, tiny specks on our own planet, but Father, you love us. And you care for us. Though we are here today and gone tomorrow, you are intimately involved in the lives of your creation. You know the hairs that are on our head. You know the worries that weigh down our hearts. You know the words that we have said that we cannot take back. And you know the words that we have not said that we wish we did. And Father, you did not leave us in our helplessness and our hopelessness. But you came and you humbled yourself, though deserving of all honor and glory and praise and dominion, you came and humbled yourself, born of a woman, held in her arms, and you grew in wisdom and stature with God and man, and you taught us of the kingdom, and you loved the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind, and you loved your neighbor as yourself, and you laid down your life for your people to bring us back into fellowship with the God that we had run from, And we had rebelled against and we had ignored in his world and father you are teaching us and you're guiding us and when christ returned into the authority of heaven he deposited his spirit and poured his spirit out into our hearts that comforts us and guides us and we need your spirit this morning we pray to show us areas of our life where we have idols that need to be broken down where we have false and half-truths that have perverted our view of ourselves, of our God, and our neighbor. Father, and we need the encouragement of the Spirit for to keep going and to keep walking and to keep following the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that love, that we may be satisfied, and in doing that, you may be glorified. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. We are back in the book of Mark. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. And as we go, um, there's all kinds of things that come across and that we, we face, and uh, this was a difficult sermon and difficult texts that really take a lot of work. And um, sometimes I come into the, a sermon with a, um, I think I know what, what I'm going to find, but I don't always find what I expected. And I, let me ask you this, in our house, uh, there are oftentimes when we ask the children, or Denise asks me, to go into another room, into the kitchen, into somewhere, into the garage, to get something for another person. And so the kids go, or I go, and a few minutes we wander back and said, we can't find it. Now, you may not have this situation, and usually uh, it's hidden in plain sight, or as uh, we might say, if it was a snake, it would have bit you. But why can't they find it? Or why can't us husbands find those things? Well, sometimes it's because uh, we don't look very hard. We're walking through the room. It doesn't count as looking for that thing, but sometimes it's expectations. We're looking for something large and red, and reality, it's small and blue. Sometimes our expectations in, prohibit us from actually see what's going on, and it pre- prevents us from what we're actually looking for. Incorrect expectations of what a desired object looks like prevents us uh, from finding that said object. Now, as we go into the book of Mark, Jesus is not what the people expected. He was an unorthodox, untrained rabbi from a backwater part of Israel who called a bunch of ragtag misfits to follow him sinners and tax collectors and fishermen not your upper echelon of society not your highly educated people not your powerful and influential people they were just ordinary followers who followed jesus the people were expecting a powerful king that would come and vanquish his enemies, inaugurate the kingdom, and what they got was Jesus, and he was not what they expected. Jesus was exactly what the people desired, but they failed to recognize that. Some 2,000 years later, the same thing is true of us. Jesus is exactly what we need but our expectations lead us to look for something else that we don't need. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. And if we're not careful, we'll miss Jesus. And so I want you to know this morning that only those who listen with ears of faith can see the glory of Christ's kingdom. And you might say, "Uh, Chris, ears don't see. I know that. That's, you know, that's a... That's a rhetorical kind of thing there to get get your attention. But only those who listen with ears of faith will see, see the glory of Christ's kingdom. And why is that? Because those who listen with ears of faith recognize the kingdom, they heed the kingdom, they wait for the kingdom, and ultimately they enter the kingdom. They recognize, they heed, they wait, and they enter the kingdom of God. So let's start in verses 21 through 23, recognizing the kingdom in these four parables that Jesus gives his listeners and who we have the privilege of listening over their shoulder this morning. Notice verses 21 through 23. And Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest; nor is anything secret except made secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If you have a lamp, you um, have that lamp, and it's intended to be put on a high place, not hidden. Why? Because you want that lamp to illuminate all of your room. You don't hide it under a bed. You don't put it in the closet because you want to be able to see where you are to broadcast light throughout your home or throughout a room. Lamps are made to shine, and therefore you find a stand and put them on there. Furthermore, Jesus also says is that you hide something temporarily in order to make that known when you want that truth to be known. Okay, think like this, Christmas presents. What do you do? You buy them, some of you are buying them now, which is insane, but you buy Christmas presents and you hide them in closets. And if your children are anything like me, we can find them. Um, But you you hide Christmas presents, why? Because on December 25th, you wanna take those Christmas presents out and give those Christmas and reveal to these hidden things that you have. Same thing with um, pregnancy announcements. You get excited, the the pregnancy test comes back and so you wait a little bit while you get to 12, 14 weeks and then surprise, we're having a baby and then you shoot a little cannon with confetti in pink or blue and then you celebrate that. Why? You have this truth that's hidden for a little while and then you reveal that truth. Same thing with surprise birthday parties. You have a birthday party, you're gonna celebrate, you get all your friends together, they come in the room, surprise, they don't know about it because you're celebrating this birthday party. These parables are not secrets to be buried, but they're truths to be revealed. Jesus is telling his listeners in the parable of the lamp this morning that his true identity in Mark and in today and his glory is not fully known, but it is a light that will shine and it's a truth that will be revealed to all of the world. In this time, from the first advent of Jesus when He came, until the second advent when He comes again, there the reality is is that Jesus, His glory, has been shrouded in the unexpected, in things that we don't understand and we don't we can't truly see with our minds the glory of Jesus in another gospel in the gospel of john it says jesus spoke to them saying i am the light of the world i am this lamp that is designed to be put on the on the on the the table i am the light of the word whoever follows me will not walk walk in darkness but will have the light of light jesus is telling us that he is the light of god who has arrived but his full glory has been shrouded temporarily and only at the resurrection do we start to see something about Jesus is different. There are moments in the book of Mark, they, 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 they say, we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. There's no one who's ever been like this. And they're starting to see like little beams of light coming through the shadow. There's something that's there that's beyond and it's coming through and it's breaking through. But we do not see this fully. Yet, despite those glimpses of light of who Jesus is in his glory, still most people fail to recognize who he is. Why? Because the glory of Jesus is revealed in unexpected and counterintuitive ways. Let me give you an example. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of power, but it's shrouded right now because when Jesus said his power is made perfect in weakness at the cross. So when you look at the cross, you say, this is not power. He's naked. He's, he's ashamed. He's dying. That's not power. That's defeat. And Jesus says, That's power, that's my glory being shown. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of victory, but Jesus declared his victory when he surrendered his life at the cross. Jesus, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of joy, but Jesus declared that joy is found in laying down your life. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of blessing, but Jesus declared that the blessing comes to the poor in spirit, to those who mourn, to the meek, to the merciful. And so the peacemakers, the things the world does not want, that's where the glory of the kingdom is temporarily shrouded. So Ocean Park, if we're not diligent to pay careful attention, we will miss the light of the world that leads us into the kingdom of God because we're expecting something else and looking for someone else. Why? Because our ears are tuned and listening to the voices of the world they're not calibrated by faith what are some of the things that cause us to listen to the world and not see the glory of Christ I think in the previous um, parable, the parable of the soils that we looked at two weeks ago, notice verse 17 in front of you in chapter 4. It said, tribulation and persecution in this second type of soil. Tribulation and persecution come, and what happens to the faith of those who are listening to those things? It withers, and it dies, and it drowns out the voice of Jesus a couple of verses later in verse 19 the third soil that was that grew up among the thorns it says the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things they overpower the voice of Jesus and the eyes of faith slowly go blind as the cares of the world and the thorns choke it away Ocean Park, I will tell you this morning, the words of Jesus are the only hope to escape the power of sin and death, and that holds our world in captivity and bondage. You must, you must, you must listen closely and listen carefully as Jesus speaks. We're so quick to gloss over our Bible reading, we don't stop and really really listen to what Jesus is saying because we think we know what he's going to say. We've heard it since we were little boys and little girls in Sunday school. I know this story, yada, yada, yada. But these are the words of life that lead us to the glory of kingdom, of God's kingdom. Ocean Park, will you listen to the voice of Jesus so you recognize the kingdom of God or will you listen to the empty promises of this world and watch the kingdom as it passes by? Only those who listen with the ears of faith will see the glory of Christ's kingdom. Therefore, they recognize the kingdom. Second, they also not only recognize the kingdom, the presence of Christ, the glory of Christ that is present in the world, but they heed the truths of the kingdom. Verses 24 and 25. And Jesus said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. There's an old Jewish proverb that really Jesus is playing with and and working and contextualizing to his message that says, in the pot you cook others, you will be cooked. In other words, the standard that you apply to others is the standard that they will apply to you. If you measure people with grace and kindness and compassion, that will be they will measure you with grace and kindness and compassion. If you measure people with cynicism and criticism and cruelty, they will measure you with cynicism and criticism and cruelty. This proverb also applies to God. Ocean Park, how you measure the words of Christ will be how God measures you. How are you listening? How are you measuring and weighting the value of Christ? To measure is to hear Jesus by obeying his teaching. Jesus has revealed to us that he is the light of the world and he has come to lead us out of the darkness of captivity and the darkness of sin, we will either trust him and believe what he says, or we will trust what our eyes can see and what our ears can hear and what our hands can touch. We will either obey his truth or we'll define our own truth. We will either heed the words of Jesus by walking the narrow path that leads to the, to the kingdom of God, or we will wallow in the mire and the muck of ignorance and indifference. You, either he, you measure the words of Christ whether you deem them true or you deem them false. You measure the word of Christ when you say they are authoritative or they are silly. You measure the word of Christ if they are priceless or Or they are worthless to you and by that measure God measures you for eternity those who reject and ignore Jesus will be rejected and ignored by God and those who value and esteem Jesus will be valued and esteemed by God the entryway to heaven the entryway to the kingdom of God is through hearing hearing with the ears of faith. I ask you this morning as we hear the words of Jesus, how have you responded to his words today For they have eternal significance? Do you measure the words of Christ and find them antiquated or ridiculous or out of touch or outlandish? Or do you measure the words of Christ as truth and as life and as joy, and as good. Jesus promises you. Jesus promises some of you, and he warns others that in this parable, that to all who hear him, to risk faith in the glory of Christ, which lies hidden now, will be revealed one day. Those people will gain everything. More will be given to them than they can ever imagine in the kingdom of God. But to spurn the words of Christ by closing your ears to Him is to lose everything you have. Those who hear Christ and get it will get it. And those who hear Christ and don't get it won't get it. Ocean Park, pay careful attention to hearing and heeding Jesus' teaching for you for how you heed the kingdom truth will be rewarded by God in eternity. Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians talks about this. Uh, He's talking about the coming return of God. This very thing that that Jesus is looking for in these four four parables is the return of Christ revealed in all his glory. When the Lord Jesus was revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, when the glory of Christ comes in power and authority to vanquish his sin, the very thing that the people of God have been waiting for but they didn't realize that Christ must come first and, and be a suffering servant on behalf of his people. He will inflict vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer, and this is the sobering words and the reality of the gospel. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. What? Away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at by those who believe him and heed him and trust him, because our testimony to you was believed. And you can say, because the kingdom of God was heeded by them. There is a day when the glory of Christ shall no longer be shrouded and hidden. It'll be revealed in all its fullness and all its glory and all its majesty. To those who have heeded the words of Christ by faith, it will be a marvelous day. Those who have ignored the words of Christ by unbelief, it'll be a day of terror. Ocean Park, will you heed the words of Jesus that you may gain eternal life or will you ignore the words and lose everything? Because only those who heed, who listen with ears of faith will see the glory of Christ's kingdom because they recognize the kingdom, they heed the kingdom, and they they wait for the kingdom. Sorry, a little dramatic pause there. Notice how those eyes of faith wait for the kingdom of God, the third parable. Verses 26 through 29, and he said, The kingdom of God is as a man should set scatter seed in the ground. He sleeps and arises day and night, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, and the full grain, and the ear, And the, when the but when the grain is ripe, once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest have come. Have you ever sat down and contemplated and thought about and imagined what the kingdom of God would be like? Some of you might have, your imagination has brought you soaring to the tops of the Himalayas, the glittering, sparkling snow-capped mountains, and you're in awe of them. Some of you might have gone to the Pacific coast, on the soft sands, as you watch the glory of the deep crimson reds and the rich oranges of the sunset. Some of you may have gone to the opulent luxury and pageantry of monarchs, monarchs of years gone by or the triumphant glory of heroes as they come back victorious from war. But when Jesus brings us and, and tells us about the kingdom, he doesn't take us to mountains and to, uh, to sunsets and to castles. He takes us to an ordinary farm with an ordinary farmer with a handful of ordinary seed. Why? He does this to show us that the growth of the kingdom is like a seed. Its growth has everything to do with the power that is hidden inside the the seed and nothing to do with the wisdom or the knowledge or the understanding of the farmer. But the farmer is not lazy. What does Jesus say? The farmer gets up and he takes a a faithfulness. He takes that seed. And often there was a bag that would be on the hip and they just they cast the seed. And we know from context and cultural background that they would hoe the, the ground and till it. They would pull the weeds and they would water it. They would protect the young seedlings from any animals that would come into the garden. But there is nothing that the farmer can do to make that seed grow. It's an utter mystery how that little seed produced a large, beautiful, bountiful harvest. And Jesus likens the kingdom of God to that seed. Like the farmer who hears the voice of God in Christ and cannot comprehend how God can accomplish his, his purposes through such un promising appearances and circumstances how can god use shame and defeat and weakness and suffering to um, uh, to produce a bounty for the kingdom of god when we go through these things and we don't understand we scratch our head we think god needs power and he needs beauty, and he needs influence, and he needs eloquence, and he needs wealth, and he needs human wisdom. We simply don't understand what God is doing. But those who listen with ears of faith, wait for the kingdom, even though we do not know how this kingdom will come, we trust our God. He is not a novice, he knows what he's doing. God will cause his kingdom to grow. Despite, despite the limited limits of our knowledge, of our perspective, of our resources, God will bring forth his kingdom. His kingdom will be established on earth as it is in heaven. Its kingdom will produce an incomprehensible harvest from an insignificant beginning. He will produce beauty from ashes joy from mourning, praise from despair. Therefore, those who have ears of faith wait for the kingdom. I ask you this morning, Ocean Park, are you listening to the Christ with ears of faith? Do you trust him to establish the kingdom of God in this world and in your heart? Are you like the farmer who faithfully sows the seed of the gospel, not knowing how God will make his kingdom, yet you wait with confidence and expectation and hope for the kingdom to come? Because we have this, the promises of God. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No, eye has seen a God besides you, and this is what I love, who acts for those who wait are you waiting for god are you waiting for his kingdom god is not like poseidon who hurls his thunderbolts he plants a seed that was planted in a little backwoods town in bethlehem at the first advent of jesus christ and his kingdom was hidden and almost imperceptible But he's a promise a day when that seed that was sown will produce a harvest that is greater than when we could ever dream or imagine. The best storytellers, the best artists, the best authors could never write a story as glorious as the kingdom of God when it comes to maturation. Ocean Park, will you trust the voice of Jesus by waiting faithfully for his kingdom in this world and in your heart? Or will you abandon him because you don't understand his ways or what he is doing? Only those who listen with ears of faith will see the glory of Christ's kingdom. Because they recognize the kingdom, they heed the kingdom, they wait for the kingdom, and ultimately they enter the kingdom. All right, kids, get your seed ready. Seeds, I should say. In verse 30 and 32 through 32, and Jesus said, with what can we pair the kingdom of God or the parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that which was sown on the ground, it is smaller than all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. Jesus doesn't compare the kingdom of God to the acorn of the mighty oaks or the cones of the majestic cedars, but he takes an ordinary garden plant of a mustard seed that, as some ancient writers said, are everywhere, and they get everywhere, and you can't get rid of them. Now, kids, you see it, Lydia? I see the little tiny, you see those little tiny seeds? I want you to show those to the adults that are near you. They need to see, sometimes our little adults are a little slow on the uptake, all right? You see that tiny little seed? That tiny little seed is gonna grow about this tall. Isn't that tall? Do you, can you believe that that little tiny seed will grow to be a plant that's this big? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It grows and it's gonna be bigger than me, even when I'm standing on a chair. But these little tiny insignificant seeds, they grow and they explode with growth every year. They go and so big that the shrubs are enable the birds of the air to fly and to rest in them and find shade and find food from its seed. Likewise, Jesus tells us is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has an ordinary meager beginning that most people had no idea what was happening outside in the fields of Bethlehem. Ordinary shepherds, an ordinary young virgin, a manger, held the glory of God that was shielded and hidden for a time, but will one day be revealed in splendor and majesty and glory. As Jesus grew He called fishermen and tax collectors and sinners and lepers and the poor and the outcasts. All of the people that society says are not valuable. Jesus turned the kingdom upside down and he brought these people into the kingdom of God because it was the self-righteous and the religious that didn't need a doctor. They didn't need a physician because they didn't have a problem. It was the other peoples that said they came to Jesus and said, lord i am a sinner save me what the world sees as irrelevant and unimportant god makes incredible the kingdom of God started with a ragtag of 12 misfit disciples and became a kingdom, as we saw in our responsive reading, or that will be from every tribe and every tongue and every people and nation shall find rest in the shade and food in its branches. This is a common imagery that's used throughout the Old Testament. Oh, I'm sorry, there's my plant. I should have brought that up. See, kids, there's your plant. That's, if you go, Adrian, you said you're going to plant it, where'd he go? I don't know if it's going to grow, but if it does, it's going to look like this. Maybe. If you're lucky. I myself, on the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it on the mount high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And until it, and under it, will dwell every kind of bird. In the shade of the branches, birds, will, every sort will come and nest. The kingdom of God is great because the king, Jesus Christ, is great. But only those who listen to his words by faith will be able to enter his kingdom. We're only four chapters into the book of Mark and we see that the religious leaders hated Jesus for what he said because he wouldn't uh, capitulate to their laws and they accused him of being a demon-possessed man. The crowds saw him as a miracle worker, but they failed to see his divine identity. Even Jesus, his family, his mother, who an angel had come to him, failed to see the significance of the ministry of Jesus because he was putting too much time into it and he wasn't eating. The kingdom of God is that great. The name of the holy infant so tender and mild who slept in heavenly peace is now known throughout the world and is spreading and growing. The seed that was planted in Bethlehem, which the world considered insignificant and they didn't even notice, has become a great tree in which the nations of the earth find shade and find food and shelter. The question of these parables is this, have you entered into the kingdom with ears of faith ocean park will you trust the voice of christ by entering the shade of his kingdom or you despise him because he seems so insignificant only those who listen with ears of faith, will see the glory of Christ because they recognize the kingdom, they heed the kingdom, they wait for the kingdom, and by faith they enter the kingdom. As we close this morning, I want you to consider one final aspect of these parables. Their eschatological significance, and some of you might say gesundheit, excuse you." eschatological means the end times, the return of Christ, his, his second coming. We know Christ came once at Christmas, at Advent, but there is a second Advent that is coming, and all four of these parables are pointing towards that eschatological significance. They are the hook inside the parables that lodges itself in the heart of of those with faith. Parables are not cute homespun stories that make truth clear. Actually, parables, as I have learned this week, demand careful investigation and uh, and commitment to be able to understand their meaning. But a parable cannot be understood outside of the one who is teaching the parable. Jesus is teaching the parable to warn us and to promise us the reality of his return to bring vengeance on his enemy and to gather his people to himself at the Feast of the Lamb, whereas we see in our Sunday school coming up that table that is for those who come to Christ by faith alone. For now, as we look at Christ, we have glimpses of this glory, but they're only glimpses right now. They are beams of light like in a winter's walk as the sun is setting of the horizon and is past the Trees, but there are still beams of light that come through. You see, these glimpses of the glory of Christ are veiled and shrouded and hidden because we cannot comprehend the beauty and the majesty and the glory of Christ. We can't handle it. It would literally blow our minds. But there is a day when He is coming when His glory will be seen and we will stand in awe and wonder. For a time, though, in the book of Mark, as the audience in the first century saw that the kingdom of God has come, but the glory was hidden, but they received glimpses of that glory in the miracles, in his teachings, in his transfiguration, in the cross, at the resurrection, and at the ascension. Christ's glory wasn't what people expected yet. today, Jesus has been revealed in the world. The kingdom has come and the glory of Christ is being revealed, but not in places that we expect them. Christ's glory is being revealed in the midst of suffering, in the midst of service, in the midst of weakness, in the midst of sacrifice, in the midst of surrender, in the midst of humility. Christ's glory is not what we expect yet. There is a day coming, though, when the glory of Christ will be unfurled and the beauty and glory will be beyond all our wildest expectations. And as we sang, all creatures of our God and King will magnify our great King. Paul, again, writes in Philippians, Therefore God has highly exalted in him, and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. This is a name and an honor and a glory that Jesus already possesses, but we cannot comprehend it. So the name of Jesus, there will be a day when Christ returns. All those who have spurned the kingdom and passed by the kingdom and rejected the kingdom out of bitter expectations and disappointment will see will bow down in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess what? That Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He shall return with power to reign. Heaven and earth will will join to say, Oh, praise him, hallelujah. Those who have shook their tiny fists at heaven and said, Why? Would you do such a thing to me? All those tiny fists will say when they see the glory of God, oh, praise him. Hallelujah. Then who shall fall on bended knee? All creatures of our God and King. But the reality of the gospel is this, as we read through scripture, that salvation is not a universal thing. Salvation is genuinely offered to all. But the reality is, not all have ears of faith. And when Jesus returns, the doors to the kingdom will be shut forever. Ocean Park, you must listen carefully today. With ears of faith that you may enter the kingdom and experience the life-giving, joy-infusing glory of Christ for all eternity. Because only those who listen with ears of faith will see the glory of Christ's kingdom. So as you sit there this morning, as we wrap up and as we pray, I want you to consider who God is. God is holy. God is righteous. He is maker of heaven and earth. God is all that is good. He is the maker of all that is good and all that is true and that is holy. And you confess that God is good. But then you also see God and you see man that we are created in the image of God. And that though God is beautiful and glorious and his way is good and his ways are true and he's righteous and holy, that we have rebelled against God and we have not been or done as God has called us to do and we have ignored God in his world. And this is what sin is called. Because of sin, we um, are rightly cast away from the holy presence of God, receiving the punishment for an eternal cosmic treason against God, as Romans three twenty three says: "The wages of for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." And a few chapters later, the wages of sin is death and separation from God. Thankfully, that's not the end of the story. We have a God who is holy. We have man and women who are sinful. But we have Jesus who is a, a great Savior. For God so loved the world, he did not leave us in our sin and our punishment, but he could have justly done so. But because of his great love, he sent Jesus Christ. And what did Christ do? He came and received that punishment. He took that punishment on himself and he gives now his righteousness to all who have ears of faith to believe. God is holy. Man is sinful and deserving of uh, the wrath of God. Jesus is a great Savior. He has taken the punishment on the cross. He gives us His righteousness. And the only response that we have is to say, Lord, God, authority, I am a sinner. I have fallen short have not done what is good and what is right and is true and i have not lived in what is right and i deserve the punishments of god save me the offer of salvation is for you this morning to trust and believe in who jesus is god coming to save us and what he has done he has died for I pray that you will trust him today and for those of you who have trusted him that you will do it each day repent of your sin and trust the promises of God that Jesus says Jesus paid it all All to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow